Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Today we're in Genesis chapter 7. We're talking about Noah and the ark. Now, most of us have heard the story of Noah and the ark. I mean, we we can see it, we get it, we kind of know it. Okay, boat, water, 40 days, 150 days, two of every animal, Noah and his family, ark floats, rain subsides, everything starts over. We got it? But if you miss the big point, then it really is just a story. So I don't want you to do what I did. So last Sunday night, uh, I'm, I'm standing in Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s pits in Daytona. And, and literally, in, in the thick of it. And, and at the end of the race, it's almost 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and there's Dale Earnhardt Jr. won. We're in his pits. It's, we're going crazy. I pull my phone out, and I am videoing what's happening with Junior's pits. They're going nuts. I'm thinking, it's so cool, right? And then all of a sudden, a minute later, I hear this huge bang, like a cannon goes off to my right. But I'm filming, right? And I have no idea to my right is the biggest crash you can imagine. Because I'm filming one thing. Car is flying through the air, tears up the chain link fix, is headed right toward us on the roof. Another car hits it and hit it even further toward us. On the video, you can see people all in front of us. These are people who work in the pits. They are diving on the ground, getting behind the wall to hide from the car coming right at us. And I'm going, <laughs> I miss the whole thing. You know why? I was looking in the wrong direction. When I heard the bang, it was like, what happened, Rusty? I mean, what? It was a huge wreck. I miss the whole thing. I think what happens in some of these great old Bible stories is we miss the big picture because we get hung up on all the wrong things. Now, you know, it's interesting to me. I don't know that I can take one more preacher feeling like he has to make a statement about the Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage. I mean, I, I think I've read them all now. And could I just say to you, listen, uh, I believe with all my heart, if you get your relationship with Jesus right, you'll get everything else right. Now, now let me just stop and say, so if you're here today, you're gay, lesbian, bi, trans, Bruce Jenner. If you're here and you're an alcoholic, if you're here and you're hooked on painkillers, if you're here and you, you, you're, you're addicted to sex, you're here addicted to porn, if you're here and, and you're not kind and gracious to your children, if you're here and you've got a messed up life, let me say to you, welcome home. Because you see, when we get a heart full of love, then we won't have to fight about Supreme Court rulings. We won't care where a Confederate flag is raised. We won't worry about racial issues between police and gangs. You know what we will do? We will see people with the love of Christ and when we allow him to reign on our heart, all that other becomes minor because he is the only thing worthy of being major. And as a church, I realize you guys have got tons of opinions. We're not a church that believes it's our job to tell you what to think. We believe it's our job to give you some tools so you can have a defense for your faith. So you can become more like Christ. Because you see, if we become more like me, this world is going to be a really messed up place. We become more like Christ, all that other's minor. But see, I think what happens is we get focused on the wrong thing. Matter of fact, you know what I found? It seems like the people who scream loudest at someone else's sin, theirs is even more disgusting. Ouch. I sure have found that 
we find it so easy to point out a toothpick in someone's eye and not recognize we got a railroad tie coming out of ours. You see, when we say we love the sinner, not the sin, I would say to us, maybe it's time for us to take a look at our own sin as opposed to trying to point everybody else at it. So if you're wondering, Chuck, what's your position on all those things going on? My position is really clear. If you'll get the right heart full of Jesus and you'll allow him to sit on the throne of your heart, all those things are minor because you'll major on the one thing that matters. And you see, the story of Noah and the ark does just that. In Genesis chapter 7, we see the story. God makes this unbelievable perspective from Adam and Eve. We know they messed up from a few weeks ago, right? They just totally blew it. All of a sudden, sin enters the world, and God has to deal with that. Then we have Cain and Abel, their sons, and th you know, murder happens in the world. But they have kids that have gone on. We find out about those kids in chapters 6 and 7. And those kids, are, of Cain and Abel, have two different groups. One son, man, he, he, he loved God with all his heart. The other had nothing to do with God. And their children spart, spread out. And they became just like their fathers were. And some just didn't love God, didn't obey God, didn't want to hear about God. And others did everything they could to live this righteous life. And what happened was they began to marry one another. And that's where we find this picture of being unequally yoked. You see, what happens is when we don't make faith the center of our marriage, it will crumble at some point. If Jesus is not the cornerstone of our family, it's going to crumble. In this time in which we were finding that Noah lived, we find that everything was corrupt. When you take that word and break it down, what it says is their hearts were filled with hate. And when a heart is filled with hate, a heart is going to reflect who we really are down here with what comes out of our mouth. And they were corrupt people. And we began to recognize a storm had come and God had sent the storm. And he sends the storm because he's going to clean up the mess that people have created. And so they're in this storm and we, our job today is to figure out what was it that allowed Noah and his family to be spared from the storm. So if you have your Bibles, go back to chapter 6 in the book of Genesis for a minute. And we read in chapter 1, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Now, those are the children of Cain and Abel, all right? And so we look at that and say, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days will be 120. In other words, what God is saying is, I've had enough of this foolishness. You folks have made a mess of my world. You've allowed selfishness and sin and corruption. You've, you've allowed lying and slander and gossip. You've allowed murder and filthiness and unjust. You've, you've, everything about the world is corrupt. So look, look at uh, verse 9 in chapter 6. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons. Go down to verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. In other words, God says, I am not putting up with this anymore. I gave you a perfect world. You messed it up. You're not turning toward me. You're not headed in my direction. And I'm just not going to deal with it. But he finds one guy, one dude. He finds Noah, and Noah is the one righteous man in the generation. Why? Because he was walking with God. He was that guy. 
And so if you, you look over in chapter 7, it, 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 well, go down uh, verse 22 of chapter 6 first. It says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. So now you can see, what was the precursor to being able to save Noah and his family? He did what God commanded him to do. He simply obeyed God. Well, that's what he did. He didn't get caught up in everything else that was going on. He got focused on his relationship with God, and he got, got right in those eyes. So look, look down in chapter 7, and let's uh, look at verse 16. And those that entered, male and female, all the flesh went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now, those last six words are pretty cool. The, and the Lord shut him in. So we have this picture of like those old books. Like if you're old like me, and you remember go to the dentist or the doctor, and they had those blue Bible story books, and you'd open up and you'd find the story of Noah and the ark. And Noah was like, he was standing up on the ark, and he had flowing, beautiful gray hair and a trimmed beard, and his eyes were blue, and the animals were all walking in perfectly. They never pooped. They never did all that. They were just perfect animals. Everything was great. He was singing a John Denver song, you know. I mean, sunshine on my shoulder. Never mind. Anyway, he was out there doing his whole thing, right? And, and we, that's the picture of the book. But now, I, I really can't imagine it because the whole world was corrupt. I mean, think about this. Down at the country club at Mount Ararat, they're saying, Noah, he has lost it. Dude is building a boat. There's no water around here. What in the world? Look how big it is. Can you imagine what he did everything that was so countercultural? I mean, if the world said, you know what we need to do? We need to sing a Taylor Swift song. You know what he said? No, we're, we're going to go the other way. No, we're going to go counterculture. I'm only saying that because I rode with our daughters all the way to Florida a couple of weeks ago, and I missed the exit to I-10 with all of us singing Taylor Swift songs. It was so weird. I did that. I totally shredded my man card. <laughs> and you see what happens here is that God said, that's enough. But I'm going to provide a way. Now, the term there, shut him in, literally means this. That as Noah and his family and the animals all went in, in that massive ark, I can hear in the back of my mind God pushing that gopher wood door and hearing it thunk as it came to a close. And I'm not sure how God did it, but literally it text says that he sealed them in. Imagine closing that wood door. Imagine God with some, some kind of caulking, if you will, as he went around the seam of that door and sealed it in. You see, what, what God was doing was God was saying to Noah and was saying to the world, I will sign you into my book of life. I will seal you into the safety of my hands. And I will deliver you through the storms in your life. Everybody I know has got problems. We've got storms that blow our way. What is it that's going to keep us sailing? What's going to keep our eyes above the waves? What's going to have this bold impact in our life? Well, it's pretty clear that we had some things going on that, that needed help. Look, look in verse 19 of chapter 7. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. So if they were, if they were parked on top of Mount Ararat, that means there was at least 17,000 feet of water. I mean, this is not your, your water heater going out in the basement. This is big-time water. And it says, The waters prevailed above the mountains, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind, everything on the dry land. 
and whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the, of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days. You see, I, I believe what was happening in that, in that world is not much different than what was happening in ours. Everywhere you turn around, we, we, it seems like we have conflict happening to some significant degree here in America. But that's the way it was then. Murder was rampant. Thievery was rampant. People, just brutality was rampant. It, it, they had fallen apart. And what we see that the people there, they were rejecting the moving of God's spirit. God clearly is trying to get the attention of these people. He says to the one guy that he can trust, he says, you, you need to build this ark. And so what does he do? He does what God says to do. He listened to the spirit of God. Now, for many of us, that sounds so weird. But I've never heard God before. Chuck, I don't know what to do with it. Clearly, Noah heard because God said build an ark. Clearly, Noah heard because he built the ark according to the specifications that God told him to. Clearly, God was moving and his spirit, but the rest of the world said, no thanks, I got this covered. I'm, as a matter of fact, if you go back earlier and in the New Testament, we find plenty of times where they said their picture of life was eat, drink, and be merry. Let's just, it's a party. Let's have at it. And one guy said, no, I'm going to hold it together. They didn't just reject the moving of God's spirit, though. They rejected the message of God's servant. There was Noah doing his thing, building the ark. And can you imagine his neighbors? Noah, dude, I know he's all a little off, but come on. Really? I mean, we're, we're going to cut your kid from the Little League team here. I mean, you, the HOA is going nutso right now, right? I mean, you can't build an ark in this neighborhood. But he does this. He obeys. But see, they rejected God's servant. You know what else they did? They rejected the means of God's salvation. You see, the ark was God's way of saying, you can, you can be saved. You can be saved from what I'm about to do. This is the means of my salvation. You go that way. Choose that. But see, the world didn't. But Noah did. And Noah walked into that ark. And as he went in, and as God signed, sealed, and delivered him, it's a picture of a New Testament cross. There it is, the Old Testament ark, that gopher wood boat that God signed and sealed and delivered. We are here today because God spared him. Now, it's interesting, Noah wasn't perfect. Isn't it good to know that God has the ability to provide salvation for folks that aren't perfect? I mean, this is a beautiful picture. And we see that the flood and the ark and God and his creation, they're all connected. I mean, the flood is a picture of our daily lives. The flood is a picture of when our life falls apart, when the storm comes into our life. The flood is a picture of our life is falling apart. The flood is when you sit across from the doctor and he says you got cancer. It's when your spouse comes home and says, I don't love you anymore. It's when you've run out of money and you don't know what to do. It's when you're lonely and you don't know where to turn. It's when your friend has betrayed you and you're really baffled. It's when life has fallen apart and the storm is happening. And sometimes those storms, God provides to get our attention clearly to this world. They didn't hear God. You know, I would look at everything going on in our country today and I would say, you know what? We've got people fighting in religion's name for everything in the world. And could I say to you, religion is not going to get you in the ark. Religion might keep you from it. This story, this book, this Bible, this is not a religion. This is, if anything, Jesus came to strip away all religion to make sure that one thing mattered. 
was that we had a relationship with Jesus as our Savior because that cross that he died on, the cross he shed his blood on, the cross where he was broken, that's a picture of the Old Testament ark. It goes all the way back. I mean, what we see here is that this Bible in all its glory and all its grandeur, this story, the flood, it points to Jesus. You and I see today, it's not a story of Noah pointing to an ark. It's a story of God pointing us to Jesus. Saying, where I provided salvation for Noah and his family, I signed them in my book of life, I sealed them in that place of salvation, and I delivered them to celebration. And you and I get to have that by way of the cross. And when we look at that, you say, can you imagine all of this happening? Now watch, Noah had a personal experience with grace. Can you imagine seeing everybody dying but you and your family? Can you imagine that picture and the overwhelming sense that, God, I'm so grateful that you extended grace to me? I don't know about you, but I can't get over the fact that as weird and as messed up as my life is, God had the willingness to look at me and say, the one thing Chuck needs more than anything is enough grace to see to the cross that he might find salvation. And at that point, grace was given because Christ died for my sin. He shed his blood for your sin. His body was broken for our sin. And where God provided a place for Noah, the cross provides a place for all who will believe. You see, I look at that and I think to myself, we would never survive the heartbreak of this life apart from the grace of God. Jenny and I were talking the other day as we were riding home, and we started thinking about everything is, that's gone on in our life. And you know what the fuel is that makes tomorrow better? Grace. You know what the fuel is that gives hope for tomorrow? Grace. You know what the belief is that I can live in abundance today and in eternity for heaven? Grace. Where do I go to get that grace? I go straight to the cross where Jesus gave his life that we might have life. Just like God provided for Noah the ark, the cross is for us. I mean, I find this interesting that I think this is true for all of us, and it's a truth that really is amazing. When we aren't living signed, sealed, and delivered lives, it's because of our view of God. Everybody apart from Noah, apparently, their view of God was this big. And Noah's saying, my view of God's this big. Their view of God is that big. And Noah's view is he's this big. And literally, we're looking at this and saying, what happens sometimes, the storms in our life are sent to get our attention because we're not looking to be signed, sealed, and delivered by the one who hung on the cross. That was our means for salvation. So you say, well, Chuck, what do I do? I want to get this. Receive this morning the moving of God's Spirit. You say, well, Chuck, I, I, I have no idea how to do that. That sounds so religious to me. Could I just say to you, take all of the religious baggage you grow up with and throw it away. Be done with it. Jesus came to abolish the sense of religion that we might step into this meaningful, purposeful, life-breathing, life-giving, living Jesus. And strip all that away. So I, I want to give you an opportunity today to ask God to speak into your life. So just hang in there with me. Just close your eyes. Just go ahead and close your eyes. I, some of you are way too cool to do this. I get it. Just close your eyes. Between your heart and your head, God, 
I need you. Place the ears and your heart wide open. Say, God, speak to me. Even if I can't understand it, even if I can't control it, God, speak to me. Let me hear your voice. Silence is awkward in this world, isn't it? Noah must have had a privacy with God where he could hear him above the chatter and the clatter of the world. Lord, we love you. We're grateful that you still speak into our lives. Thank you that you still love us in spite of our sin. Thank you that your cross is the way we are salvaged. That's the way we're saved. That's where we're redeemed. Because you shed your blood that we might have life in abundance and for eternity. God, today we receive your spirit and your voice. I pray we'd hear you and walk with you in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. This morning, receive the moving of God's spirit. Today, receive the message of God's servant. Noah was God's servant at the time, and people looked at him and said, man, that's crazy. And they missed it. They were filming one way, and God was doing something in another. God's trying to make this big, bold move, and they missed it. What I want to say to you is, listen, that cross was the biggest, boldest move of all time. And God gave them a picture of the ark. I'll sign you in my book of life. I'll seal you in protection, and I will deliver you to celebration. So receive the cross today as your means of salvation. You see, Noah and the ark isn't about animals. Noah and the ark is about Jesus and the cross. It's an Old Testament picture that says we are as corrupt as those people and we need salvation. So today, for many of you, your prayer can be, God, I need you. Jesus, forgive me. I need you to come take over my life. For many of you, you've been doing religion, you've been doing church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Today is the day you say, I am done with religion. Jesus is enough. The cross is enough. And you need to lay the religion down. For some of us, relationships are dragging us down. For some of us, addictions are dragging us down. For some of us, just blatant sin is dragging us down. Can you imagine Noah and his family looking out as the waters came up and the destruction was taken all around them and they're thinking, how can it be that God would save me today in the middle of whatever's going on in your life, whatever storm you're in, how can it be that a God would be so loving that he would look down on your life and say, I'm gonna allow this storm so that you can come run to me and let me close that door and sign you and seal you and deliver you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.